Well, we're doing part three of the Pulse teaching series, and uh, we're going to have a look at part one and part two. If, uh, if you weren't here and you missed it, uh, the podcasts uh, are on the Forever House website, so if you want to catch up, you can. Let's have a look at the next slide, uh, AV team. We're going to work closely together. This is all about a spiritual health checkup, uh, this teaching series. This is part three of part four. We're going to finish next Sunday. And we'll look at, is everything in order? Uh, next slide. So the main scripture we've been uh, looking at to frame everything around this teaching series called Pulse is from Psalm 37:23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Everyone, let's read this out. One, two, three. That was very good. Well done. You guys have done this before. All right. I'm going to get organized here by uh, offloading from the pulpit here. All right. So we're looking at order and we're looking at understanding that order in our life spiritually uh, dictated by God and His Word is important because it helps to protect us, but it also helps to uh, get us aligned to the things of God and it makes sure that we're learning how to follow the Word of God and come into obedience and not kind of just do whatever we want to do and label it as, oh, I'm, I'm hearing from, from, the, from the voice of God, but not really aligning to the Word of God. So let's have a look at this next scripture. We're going to, uh, sorry, next part. We're going to quickly review part one. So part one was called the bareness of spiritual business. And we looked at, uh, you know, being mindful of being spiritually driven. And we, we, uh, the next part, which we're not going to go into straight away, but we looked at what's the difference between being spiritually driven versus spiritually called. So part one was that when people are gratified by accomplishment only, they're preoccupied with symbols of accomplishment, there's an uncontrolled pursuit for the next thing, expansion, um, and not consolidating where they currently are in God, and there's a limited regard for integrity or accountability. These are, uh, I suppose, signs uh, that uh, spiritually we're probably are out of alignment or out of order. So we talked about the barrenness of being spiritually busy. Uh, and so the part two, let's have a look at this quickly to review that we did last week, is we covered this topic of the driven versus called disciple. And we, we, we got some amazing feedback from last week's message. Who was here last week? Say yay. yay. All right. Uh, some amazing feedback. Uh, people definitely said that that message was meat and not milk. In fact, there was no milk in that whatsoever. It was a good, hearty piece of steak. Hopefully, I cut it up into some bite-sized pieces so you could chew on it. And uh, we had no one who said they choked on the steaks. That's good. Amen. Uh, so it was, it was a meaty uh, message. And it was all about looking at what does a dysfunctional disciple look like? There is dysfunction in the body of Christ. Does anyone realize that? Uh, we don't have perfect people. But there's levels of dysfunction that people are blind to. And so we wanted to uh, uh, reveal blind spots and help people to kind of become aware of maybe something that they need to, to, to press into God and, and deal with in a healthy way because it's all about a spiritual health check. So we looked at the called people understand stewardship, whereas driven people who are spiritually driven, Judas was a very spiritual driven person. Uh, it was all about him and his agenda and he kind of, you know, he thought he was in the right, but he had massive blind spots. He was a dysfunctional disciple. Um, but called people understand stewardship. They understand that it's not all about their calling and all about their gifting and they don't put their gift above their character development. It's actually about understanding that everything is actually God's and I need to know my place and I need to honor the things of God and the process of God and not just try and do it in my own strength. And we looked at the call people know who they are and call people understand commitment and loyalty. Uh, so we, we, uh, we went in there, we had some fun with some meat. And I want to do a little bit of a pivot uh, today. What I mean by pivot is, uh, well, let's have a look at the next slide. 
Part three today is conflict or chaos. Everyone say conflict and everyone say chaos. Now you may be reading that going, well, hang on, there's no positive in conflict and there's no positive in chaos. So is this a double negative today? Uh, No, Uh, we're talking about that in everything about life, there's going to be some example of conflict that you have to deal with. And Jesus, we're going to look at some scriptures about how Jesus teaches us how to deal with conflict. But if we're dysfunctional in our spirituality, uh, rather than dealing with conflict correctly, we, we actually just create these tornadoes of chaos and things just get worse and worse and worse. So it's important that we know how to deal with conflict, but not, not uh, maybe if the storms come, but Jesus said when the storms come. Uh, it's about applying our faith. So we're going to look at Jesus' plan for resolving conflict, okay, today. Is anyone interested in this? Is everyone awake? Okay. I can, hear, I can smell some aromas from the cafe. Woo! We're having gourmet soups today. Oh, man, that smells good. All right, let's concentrate. Food is a distraction. All right, let's have a look at the next slide. All right, I want to talk about a lawsuit culture. It's more manifest in the United States, but I think more and more uh, Australians, sometimes we get impacted because we live in a global society with the influence of all the information on the internet. We get impacted by blame and, and you know, conflict and how we, we, can, we can have access to inappropriate ways of how we deal with conflict more and more, and I think sometimes we can roll with that. Uh, sometimes we can have a conflict with someone and it just blows up into this big, nasty, like a session from some type of uh, reality show, like The Real Housewives of wherever, and uh, it's not healthy. So let's have a look at this. Lawsuit culture. The United States has more lawyers per capita than any other country in the world. In 2005, there were 799,960 licensed lawyers in the U.S., one for every 320 people in the country. So obviously, obviously, all these lawyers need to have something to do. And as a result, the United States also leads the world in lawsuits. Uh, We've all heard the story of Stella Liebeck who sued McDonald's in 1992 after spilling coffee into her own lap. Stella was awarded 2.9 million. Everyone say, wow. In damages by a New Mexico jury, and ever since then, McDonald's has had to warn people that their coffee is hot. Okay, their coffee's hot. By the way, in our cafe, when we serve coffee, it's hot too. (laughs) Amen. All right, so, lawsuit culture. Right? Dealing with conflict. Let's have a look at the next slide. In James 4.1, it says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? It throws a question out there and it says, Don't they come from your desire, your desires that battle within you? So the first thing is that conflict actually usually comes from stuff inside of us. It's either how we see it, how we feel, uh, we've been, feel like we've, we've been wronged, or we feel like we're in the right and, and the other person's in the wrong, or we feel like our expectations haven't been met, or we feel that their side of the story, they're not telling it accurately, and our side of the story is right, or, or just someone's annoying us, and, and you know, we, we get a gripe, and we hold a grudge, and, and we give them you know, kind of the silent treatment. Whatever is the type of conflict, uh, usually it starts from how we process it within. We talked about that uh, a lot of times dysfunction will lead to uh, poorly processing things, poor, poor reactions, and it becomes a cycle. So we have to take responsibility that whether we're to blame or not in any form of conflict, how we react to it and how we process it on the inside, God is interested in teaching us how to do that appropriately. Who believes that? 
But also, we know that conflict doesn't just happen within you, and it's not necessarily just about processing it on the inside. There are times when you're going to have a conflict with someone, and the wisdom of the Word of God would say, you know what, you just need to give that to God, talk to God about it, and just let it go, and don't even have a conversation with the person. Have you ever had, I don't know about you, but there's times when I've had issues, issues with people, right? And I've prayed about it, and God said, you know what, you need to process, this is an opportunity for you uh, to... uh, Counsel the debt that you think that they owe you in your heart because that's what I did towards you, Brad, and just let it go. Uh, step on up and, and reconcile in your heart. You don't even need to have a conversation with that person and move on. Sometimes the Lord will teach you to do it because it's appropriate for the situation. There are other situations where it's not as easy or simple as that. Not that that's really that easy or simple just to do it on the inside, but there are times when you do need to confront the conflict. You do need to have a courageous conversation with the appropriate person about the conflict that you're going through. So let's have a look at the next slide here. Is there a better way to resolve conflict than to drag someone to court? We're going to do a spiritual health check here. Obviously, the answer is yes. Um, I had an interesting scenario at home where we had, uh, I'm not going to name any names, but we ha- I now have Peter, uh, who, who does our, our, our church building here. Uh, we're paying him to fix uh, the problem that came from, we hired these uh, supposed carpenters, God bless them, uh, to kind of do an extension uh, on our deck at, at, at home. And uh, we found out after I decided to let them go because they were doing such a dodgy job, and, and I won't go into all the specifics because then I might relive the conflict that I think I've resolved. Uh, but after we invited Peter onto the site to kind of get, get, give us a bit of a, a, a check-in uh, around you know, what, what's going on and, and did they do some dodgy work and, and what do we need to do to fix it he determined that the 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 framing the wood that they used to kind of do some of this um kind of screening in our in our in our yard uh they used uh treated wood which is supposed to be right but they used to treated wood for termites only which is only wood you use internally in a building you never use this wood outside so it's the wood that if it rains on is going to rot and so uh they use that type of wood to build the entire outdoor screen. Everyone say, oh no. Everyone say, poor Pastor Brad. (laughs) So I was livid, angry, ripped off. And uh, I, I, I'll tell you, man, I had every little, (laughs) how am I going to get back at them? I had this text message written out, and then I edited it. I had this text message, then I got Sarah to look at it. She's like, whoa, whoa, no, no, no. And so uh, I went to God about it, and I said, God, what do I do here? What do I do? And, uh, you know, there's sometimes when it is warranted to actually go to court and have a legal battle. Uh, not suggesting that that's not warranted at times. But in this situation, um, I just thought, you know what? <sighs> We're just going to move on. I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> and um, so we did. And uh, there are still moments I wake up shaking my head going, how could I have been so dramatic? But uh, it's all good. You live and you learn. Everyone say you live and you learn. All right. So for those of us who follow Christ, how do we respond to our brothers and sisters in Christ when we are wronged or when we have a defense or when we have conflict or when we feel that someone's rubbing us up the wrong way, or we feel misrepresented, whatever it is. Let's have a look at these principles. Let's have a look at the next slide. And so we're going to start with some scripture. Matthew 5, 23. We're going to look at two key scriptures in Matthew. 
where Jesus is teaching us how to deal with conflict uh, in the right way. Matthew 5, 23 to 25. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. So he's talking about worship. He's talking about when you're worshiping God, when you're giving something to God, whether it's in actual worship here. And hopefully, uh, as we go through this, we don't have 15 people uh, stand up and walk out because they've decided that they need to leave this time of worship and to go and actually reconcile. But if you, if you do have to do that, God bless you, right? But if you are offering your gift at the altar and therefore remember that your brother and sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly. Everyone say quickly. With your adversary who is taking you to court, do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Basically, it's saying here that, look, you need to, uh, you need to make sure that if, if you're kind of doing something spiritual, right, uh, but you've got an offense in your heart and you haven't dealt with that conflict appropriately, that God's actually saying, hey, just take a, take a step back from... Uh, what you're doing and actually go and fix up that situation uh, because that's important that's the priority that's 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 really what the scripture is saying here and it's also saying because there are consequences if you have unresolved conflict it's not going to be consequences relationally but also on the inside of the condition of your heart there's going to be issues where we get locked into spiritual prison because of unforgiveness because of unresolved conflict we just shove it under the bed shove it under the pillow shove it under the carpet whatever part of the house you want to shove it under in your heart and we just go, okay, that's it. But uh, it becomes a prison. And therefore, we can't access the fullness of the things of God because of that unforgiveness in our heart. And so God's saying, look, look, if you're in a, a moment of worshiping me or you're in a moment of hanging out with me, that's great. But if you've got unresolved conflict going on, I want to encourage you to take a step back, go and fix that up, and then come back to me. Who believes that that's good? Let's have a look at this next scripture. So the other scripture in Matthew is... Uh, Chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Ooh, go and point out their fault, which means go and talk to them about it. Have an upfront conversation. Obviously, we can do that in certain more diplomatic ways than harsh, lacking empathy or love ways, right? We've all got different styles and approaches. So if you pray about it for and get the spirit of wisdom on you, hopefully God will give you the way that you want to frame things. But go and point out their fault. Go and have a conversation. Go and talk about it just between the two of you. That's the key. Don't go and talk to other people about it. Don't go and talk to someone or the friend about it and get their opinion and, and kind of inject with a spiritual syringe the offense that you have into someone else's heart. No, go and talk to the person between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. And so this is a key way in which Jesus is saying we need to deal with conflict. All right, let's now have a look at the next slide. So conflict versus chaos. What do we learn from Jesus about how to resolve conflict, particularly particularly between believers? All right, let's have a look at the next slide. I'm going to go to point number one. We've got four key things we're going to learn today. Everyone say, do it quickly. Do it quickly. So in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus warned that a believer who harbored anger against a brother or sister was just as guilty in God's eyes as a murderer. A murderer. That if a brother or sister harbored anger, harbored means to kind of hold on to it, 
to harbor it. A harbor is water that's kind of contained by a boundary and to, to harbor it in. So if you hold on to a fence, if your brother or sister you believe has wronged you and you harbor it, that, that they are just as guilty in God's eyes as a murderer. Isn't that interesting? Inten- isn't that intense? Isn't that severe? Isn't that full on? Should I give you any other adjectives? All right. So again, we've got a little bit of meat here. Since that is how God sees anger and your anger or your offense, how important is it to get rid of it quickly? Very important. And I know that this is hard for a lot of people. This is hard for me. This is not uh, as easy uh, to do. I'm going to just move this over here because I love symmetry and we're centered. Amen. (laughs) So when someone has wronged you, you have a right to be angry, don't you? Do you have a right to be angry? Well, yeah, you have a right to be angry, right? Um, But don't position yourself as the righteous judge around that. You have a right, but you're not the righteous judge God is, right? And so that's why we've got to appropriate this properly. There are those of us who have held on to anger and resentment for so long that we literally do not know who we would be or what we would talk about if we didn't have that hurt to define us, right? No one here can relate to that at all. Praise God. But for all those other people out there, right, that aren't sitting in this building right now, that can relate to this, uh, let's pray for them. Father, we thank you, Lord. If there's anyone, Lord, in our lives, any our family member, any community member, any person in church, Lord, that is holding on to a harboring anger and unforgiveness, Lord, by the power of your anointing, we pray right now, Lord, that you would speak to them and guide them as a shepherd and help them, Lord, to let go and to forgive that person. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray for that breakthrough. And everyone said, amen. amen. And, you know, I also realized that there are some, uh, there's some very painful backgrounds and painful experiences that people go through. Um, and it's not easy to let go and to forgive, particularly if, if you've been incredibly betrayed, if there's a thing that's gone on in life. So this is, this is uh, do it quickly. This is not easy. Let me just start by saying this. This is not easy to be aligned to the Word of God here. Uh, but I think that's the challenge, that, that, that the Spirit of God here, via the Word, would want to illuminate and shed some light on. Let's have a spiritual checkup today, and let's look at, is there anything that we've, we haven't been quick about, that we've held on to for far too long? And even though it's difficult and it's challenging, then uh, if, it's, if it's that challenging, then my encouragement is, you might want to get some counseling, or you might want to get some help. You might need someone else who's like a spiritual mentor to, to guide you through. If that's something that you need, you know, come and let me know. We've got fantastic trained people who can help you to go on that forgiveness journey. But the key here is, is if you're holding on to something, uh, God's just saying, hey, you know what? It's going to hurt you to keep holding on to it. We've got to find a way. Let's partner together. I feel that God's saying, let's partner together to help you through it. And so um, what I don't want to do is I don't want to minimize pain. And I don't want to minimize betrayal and things that have gone on in people's lives because it's very, very real and it's very intense. So I don't just want to go, you know, just do it quickly, get over it. You know, I don't want to have a lack of empathy. It's just, you know, just, you, just, you just need to get over it. You know, step on up, shake it off. Like we talked about that this morning, arise and shine. But there are some things that can make that difficult. And so if that's the case, don't ignore that. But re- ask for help. Uh, ask God for help. Reach out to a spiritual mentor here at Forever House and say, hey, you know, we were talking about this uh, last Sunday, and I really need some help with this. Can you give me some guidance? Maybe we could recommend you to a professional counseling program that can help. So sometimes it's, it's very challenging and difficult, but you know what? 
It's about no longer ignoring it. And let's face it head on. Let's take this on because God is all about bringing people out of a place of bondage, out of a place of imprisonment, into a place of freedom. Who believes that? So be encouraged today that God is for you. And so what Jesus calls for us in this passage is not easy and may require professional help to accomplish. But Jesus is clear. Conflict needs to be handled quickly. In verses 23 to 24, he even implies that settling conflict is even more important than worship. To the point that if you are in the middle of a worship service and you remember that your brother has something against you, you need to leave the worship service, be reconciled to your brother, and then come back to worship. All right, so we might see all these other people coming back who left before. No, no one left. I'm just joking. So it's good. It's good for us to chew on this. Could it be that God won't even accept our worship until we make things right with our brothers and sisters? That's just a question to throw out there. I mean, it seems like this is what this passage could be saying. Uh, you know, 1 John 4.20 backs this up a little bit and says, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. Ouch. For anyone who hates his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, who he has not seen. And so it's talking about the seriousness of the spiritual condition when we harbor hatred, when we harbor offense, and we just let it sit in our heart, or we inappropriately try to, 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 to manage it by talking to other people about it, but not actually going to the very person we need to talk to. And so when you have an issue with another believer, deal with it quickly. Everyone say, do it quickly. How quick is quick? Quick, good answer. That was a quick answer, Josh. Good. <laughs> Ephesians 4.26 says, not to let the sun go down on your anger. That's how quickly. I try not to let a 24-hour period go by. And yet we know there are times where weeks go by. Months can go by. There are some times when family members don't talk for years, right? And so God is really interested in uh, us all having a spiritual health check. Do it quickly. Let's have a look at number two. Face-to-face. -face. Everyone say face-to-face. -face. So notice that this is face-to-face. -face. It doesn't say Facebook-to-Facebook. -Facebook. <laughs> notice that? There is a difference, <laughs> Right? Face-to-face, -face, not Facebook-to-Facebook. Face-to-face. Do it face-to-face. Face-to-face communication gets harder every day. Our society is moving further and further away from face-to-face -face communication or further and further away from regular, intimate face-to-face -face communication. I mean, that used to be the only option. And then, obviously, they created the letter, and you'd write a letter out. And you could write a letter to someone to try to deal with conflict. And after that came the telephone, and then followed by an email, and then texting, and now, you know, the world twitters the world about their offenses. All right? So, <clears throat> let's have a look at this. Face to face. This is not the way that Jesus taught us to do texting, emails, phone calls. He taught us face to face. Um, and that's because there's value in face to face confrontation. There is value in it. That was a strong amen. I love that. I could feel that. Woo! And by the way, I love it when people say amen and say hallelujah. You can shout me down, go, you preach it, Pastor Brad, whatever you want to do. Just make sure 
You don't swear at me, okay? I have had someone swear at me, not here, uh, but I have had someone swear at me when I preached in my old church. So I was being raised in, and we had to have stewards who had to politely, did I say politely? Politely ask them to leave. Uh, <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a full-on thing, and that person obviously wasn't in a good place. It wasn't really anything I was saying that was offending them, but uh, they were just having some big issues. But God helped them in the end. Isn't that cool? All right, so it's only happened to me once. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but there is value in face-to-face -face confrontation. It's very hard to communicate emotion in an email or a text, and it's very easy to misunderstand someone. Very easy. And while firing off an angry email gives you a chance to vent or get something off your chest, it doesn't really do anything for the conflict. It usually sometimes can throw fuel on the fire. Has anyone noticed that? All right. Has anyone received a text and you are, you are writing out this text in reply and it's all from your emotional reaction? <laughs> and then you reread it and then you read it and think, ooh, maybe I shouldn't send that. Has anyone been writing a text and rather than checking it, you've accidentally hit the send button? I've done that. In fact, uh, I've done some coaching for people who were writing a reply uh, to, um, well, forwarding a reply to a client's frustration to a colleague and they were kind of whinging about the client instead of forwarding it to the colleague they hit reply and it went to the client and they lost a multi-million dollar deal for the company and then they got fired so whatever you do just triple check when you're dealing with conflict edit and keep your finger away from that send button all right so uh face to face Face-to-face -face is important, okay? It's healthy, um, and it's spiritually in order, right? Now, there's some times where you might think, you know, having a face-to-face -face conversation is challenging. Well, then the next best thing is then a phone call, because at least you can pick up on the tone of the voice. You can't pick up on the tone when you're, when you're emailing and you're writing. And look, we know sometimes if it gets to a lawsuit, then your lawyer will write out the letter, and they'll do it in a way that's legally right, right? But hopefully, it doesn't come to all of that. Face-to-face -face communication. Everyone say face-to-face. Hopefully we're getting this. All right, let's look at number three. One on one, in Matthew eighteen fifteen, it says, "Pay." It says, "Just between the two of you." So pay attention to the second part of Matthew eighteen fifteen. Just between the two of you. I mean, if I could sing a song right now and do a musical theater rendition, making this a song, just between the two of you. Come on. Just between the two of you. Come on, come on, come on. Just make it you and them. Ooh, yeah. I would, but I'm going to hold back. <laughs> that, was being, that was being held back. Right? Just between the two of you. I think this is the most important point. Most important point. Because I think there's a part of our humanity that wants our point of view to be justified. Don't you think? We want backup. We want support. We want to be recognized. We don't want to feel rejected. We want our point of view validated. And so sometimes we want it validated before we go to confront the person that it's actually about because the validation from someone else may strengthen our sense of security before we go in to the battle with the person. So we want to share. Hey, Mandy. Mandy. Can I just, can I just get your thoughts on something, Mandy? Um, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead, Matilda. 
Well, Mandy, I had a situation where um, this guy called Greg goes to my church and um, he, he said something to me that I thought was just inappropriate. Oh, really? What did he say? <laughs> well, let me tell you. Are you sitting down? Because it's going to shock you. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. Oh, my goodness, is it that bad? Yes. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. He said that um, sometimes I come across a little bit pushy. Can you believe that? Oh, my goodness. I can't believe he said that. Pushy. You're not pushy at all. You're just slightly assertive. I know. But labelling me as pushy is just so offensive. I am so offended, Matilda. Oh, Mandy, you have every right to be offended. In fact, you should be more than offended. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I think I might just stop there. I'm having too much fun, and that's not good. And so we, we, we go... To, the, to another person who doesn't even know about it, and we, we, we spiritually inject the situation, the story, the offense, our point of view. We inject it into the other person's heart, and we force them to stew on it, cook, cook it up, and we cook it up like a big dinner together, and we can smell the aroma. No, look, it's offensive and so offensive. Mm, let's breathe it in. Oh, let's eat it in. Oh, let's feast on it. We're so offended. And now we're both offended together. It's so offensive. And it becomes an offensive feast, Right? An offensive feast. And then, so then that person usually, you know, says, you know when people say, look, just between you and me, this is, look, just confidentially. And then the next day, look, I've had this conversation with, uh, with Matilda, okay? Now, I'm not supposed to say anything, so please, please, whatever you do, don't repeat this, okay? Don't repeat this. No, seriously, I'm serious because it'll come back to me. Don't repeat this, okay? Because she's entrusted her trust to me. Now I'm entrusting my trust to you, okay? Can you believe that this new guy at church called Greg told her that sometimes she comes across pushy? I mean, how rude. And he's only been here for four weeks. I mean, I don't even think he's a member yet. Oh, my goodness. What, who is this Greg? What does he look like? I need to look out for him. We need to pray about this Greg. And it goes on and on. The offense feast goes on and on. No, that's not how we do it, church. Christians, followers of Jesus, men and women of God. That's not how we do it. Can I get a, a wider, broader amen? That's not how we do it. All right, come on, one-on-one. Now, we're going to have a little bit of an accountability, right? Now, this is healthy, right? This is humbling. And I'm going to be the first person to put my hand up for this question, okay? So I'm going to give you a big hint. If you don't put your hand up, right, then you must be Jesus Christ himself, okay? All right? So this is just a healthy accountability. Let's just all be honest. Are we all ready to be honest? Okay, raise your hands. My first one's in there. Raise your hands if you've ever talked about someone before you talked to the person you offended with. And if you haven't got your hand raised, can I just say, you need to have a reality check? <laughs> because of course you've done it at least once in your life. We're just practicing humility. Own up, say, I've done it. Everyone say, I've done it. 
okay, I've done it, all right. As as well justified as you felt when you did it at the time, you've done it. Raise your hands if you've ever talked about someone before you, you talked to someone that you offended with. And it's good, it's good, mutual accountability, because we've all done it, right? And if we're really spiritual, we've made it into a prayer request. I need you guys to pray for my relationship with this person right now because he's just said something. We just need to pray about this person because I'm just really offended. So I just, I feel like if we can just invite the Spirit of God in this situation. I haven't spoken to him yet, but now that I've just mentioned it to you guys and you understand where I'm coming from and you've kind of validated my point of view, if we could just have a little bit of a prayer meeting about it, just invite the anointing of the Holy Spirit in. Just help me to process it. And then I feel like I'll be empowered to then go and have a conversation with this person, even though I haven't spoken to them yet. Okay, let's pray. Doesn't that sound spiritual? (laughs) 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 Says Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the way to do it. No matter how much we dress it up and spiritualize it, it is wrong. Everyone say wrong. It is wrong to talk about someone before you talk to the someone. Right? Now, we know there are husband and wives here, and I'm sure husband and wives are like, oh, okay, well, we do this all the time, you know? Because understand that husband and wives, uh, uh, you're a team. You're actually one in God. So sometimes you might want to bounce something off your husband, right, or your wife, and I get that. So it's all good. It's like, let's just appropriate this. We get, we get what we're saying. But if you're a husband here, and sometimes you want to talk to your wife about a certain situation to get her viewpoint, well, that's actually sometimes how, how God has married couples working together. But I think the important thing here is that we understand the principle around you should really speak to the person first. The one exception to this rule, did you know there's an exception? The one exception to this rule is when you talk to God about the conflict you're having first. That's good. This actually is a necessary step because you want to get God's viewpoint on it so that you're not just kind of going into the one-on-one situation with a person um, in your offense and kind of responding out of your emotional soul realm or, you know, your flesh. So it's good to pray about the conflict you were having before you address it with the other person. Uh, But go into the prayer humbly, right? If you've ever gone into a prayer uh, asking God to, you know, give his thoughts on how someone's offended you, but you've lacked humility... Okay, God, I need to talk to you about this. God, I just I thank you right now, Lord, that you would really help that person. Lord, to see how wrong they are. Lord, that you would open their ears and their eyes spiritually and even send them dreams and visions right now to show them how inappropriate they are. Right? Have you ever prayed like that before? Right? <laughs> Come on now. Uh, and so that's probably not that healthy, actually. Uh, we've got to go in humbly. And so... Uh, Ask for wisdom. Ask God to show you where you were wrong. Show some humility. Ask for wisdom to help you identify the parts of the conflict that you need to own, that you need to take responsibility for, and to work on those things before you talk to the person. That's wisdom. So have a good conversation with God beforehand. That is spiritually aligned. That's spiritually in order. That's healthy. That's what Jesus, what Jesus encourages to do. Right? So definitely invite God into the conversation before you talk to the person that you're offended with. Um. You know, practically, I know of a marriage counselor who always applied what he called the 10% rule. Everyone say 10% rule. When couples came to him for counseling, and he would try to get each spouse to take responsibility for 10% of the problem. So before uh, they actually came and spoke to him, uh, 
he would say to the husband, well, I want you to take at least 10% responsibility for the problem, right? Find out what does that 10% look like for you. And he'd say to the wife, I want you to also find 10% of the, the situation, the problem, and I want you to take responsibility for that 10%. And so then when they both came together to do the counseling session, 20% of the problem was solved, right? But it's, it, it, it's because in those situations when there's conflict in a marriage, it's very hard for the person who's offended, and usually both parties are offended somehow, for them to actually want to take much responsibility at all. Because from their perspective, it's all about the other person, what the other person's done. And that's what offense does. Offense in our own strength blinds us, and we feel like we need to get a validation or justification. And so a healthy spiritual check-in is to actually say, well, I need to, to start by taking just a portion of responsibility for the situation that we're in. And if we can do that, then we're on the right track to, to actually bringing reconciliation and bringing a breakthrough in the conflict. Who believes that? Good. So in a nutshell, talk to God about the other person before you talk to the other person about the other person. Okay, in fact, don't talk to the other person about the other person. Just talk to God about the other person and then talk to the person that you're, that you're uh, offended with. I think lastly before... Um, we move on to, to point number four is I do want to address an obvious question related to these principles and that is but what if you can't get to the other person before the sun goes down what if the sun has gone down on your anger lots and lots of times since you first became angry or what if the person you are harboring anger against unfortunately is deceased and is no longer here In, important questions uh, I, I think the, the key to any of those types of situations, if this has been an ongoing thing and it hasn't been 24 hours, it's been 24 years, or this is a situation where you're harboring offense and anger with someone that you can't even communicate with because they're no longer living on earth, then I think the principle here is you need to say to yourself, I'm counseling the debt that this person owes me. I think that's what God would encourage you to do. God, I'm going to cancel the debt that this person owes me. Rather than just saying, I'm just going to let this go, I'm actually, the debt is what they owe me. Everything that they've done to me, how they should pay, how they really deserve for me to sit them in a chair and tell them all the horrible, nasty things that they've done and how wrong they were and how they should own it and say they're sorry. That's really what they owe me. That may be how you think. But yet if that person is someone that you can't have a confrontation with to even go there, that I think Jesus would say in that moment, then identify what is the debt that you feel that's owed to you. And through the power of God and through your relationship with Jesus, cancel that debt. Because Christ canceled the debt of sin and death upon your own life. It's through the blood of Jesus it's through the power of the cross. Now, that can be simple to say and harder to process. And I totally get that. And that's why sometimes you need to encourage other people, maybe professional counselors, to come in. But I want to say that it starts with at least looking at that as a strategy. That whatever it is the debt that I feel that this person owes me, I need to be proactive in my heart and I need to counsel that debt. Who believes that? Awesome. Let's look at number four. Get help. And here, Jesus lays out a biblical system for escalation. 
What happens when you and the person you are in conflict with can't resolve things? Well, then you take it to the church. You take it to a spiritual leader. You first talk to them. You don't talk to anyone else. You talk to God, but you don't talk to anyone else. You first talk to them. And if that kind of goes pear-shaped or there's no true uh, resolution, then there are appropriate things to do. To take it to one or two trusted, and when I say trusted, I think they need to be spiritually mature. Not trusted because you tell them all your secrets, because some of your closest friends could be spiritually immature. Come on now. Some of the people who are closest to you, who you feel like you can trust, but are they spiritually mature? Do they have the spiritual maturity to handle these types of matters? The answer to that question is not always yes. And so we need to be wise, biblically, if we can't sort it out between each other, one-to-one, then there is a spiritual principle around escalating it, and that's to take it to one or two trusted people who can help you mediate the conflict. And I think in a community like this at Forever House, our protocol would be that you would honor these principles, you would talk to God about it first, you go and speak to the person one-on-one, not others around you. you know, so if you need to realign there, then in your heart, make that decision right now, God, I need to realign, I've been out of order here. But then if you can't resolve the conflict, then it is appropriate to escalate it, but to actually go to one or two spiritual mature people, people who are established in leadership, people who've been trained to handle these matters. Not just someone who you like, who knows your favorite color and your favorite food, but someone who's spiritually mature. So go to an elder of the church, go to a leader of the church and share the matter because then they have the authority and the spiritual maturity to help you and the other person to appropriately walk that out and to align and follow biblical principles so that we get a healthy result. Who believes that? The other thing too is that the spiritual mature person is then in a place where they're trained to have objective accountability, where they don't take sides, but they are trained to ask questions and get both both viewpoints to discuss through the matter so that both people feel heard and that we appropriate biblical love in the situation. And so this is healthy. This is a spiritual checkup where maybe we're a little bit out of order, we've been out of order, we need to get an alignment about how we walk out relationships in the body of Christ. Not just in our local church setting, but these principles, even if you're dealing with your bosses, your colleagues at work, they may or may not be Christian, these biblical principles should still apply to the relationships you have with non-Christians as well. Now, they may not have the wisdom to, to follow that. They may go and talk about you behind their back, but you don't want to copy suit. You, if you follow the biblical principle, not only will you get the fruitful outcome, but God will honor you in the process. Who believes that? And so get help. Escalate it when it's appropriate. When it's appropriate. One of the, the slides we had was conflict versus chaos. I think what's inappropriate is when we get help, but we get help and we're just getting help from 15 different people. And we're going to one person and we're saying, look, just between you and me, I just want to talk to you about this confidentially to get advice, right? Because I've spoken to this person. So if you've spoken to the person and it hasn't been fruitful, then when you go and get advice, that's great. But make sure you get advice from that one person. And if it's going to be another person who are both spiritually mature, talk to them together. What you don't want to do is go and talk to this person and get advice and then think, yeah, I don't really like that advice. I'm going to go and talk to this other person and get advice. Mm, Yeah, they kind of said 50% of what they wanted to say, but they didn't really understand me. I'm going to go and get advice from this person. And now I'm just, instead of actually really dealing with the conflict, I'm actually just brooding chaos. 
which then leads to confusion. And sometimes when people do that, the motivation, unfortunately, is more that they love the drama than actually wanting the resolution. Come on now. So again, if you see that uh, with your spiritual brothers and sisters, then politely call that out in love and say, hey, you know what, maybe the way that we're doing this or the way that going about it isn't healthy. Maybe we need to kind of just take a step back here and, you know, have you talked to the person first? Have you talked to God about it? Okay, great. Have you gone and got some advice from a spiritual mature person in, in, in the house of God? Are you, are you resisting the temptation to go and talk to multiple people and have a pity party about it to escalate the drama rather than actually proactively really wanting to create a resolution? And this is a test. God tests us in these things. He's looking to see how we respond because if we respond appropriately, like in school and we pass the test, guess what? We get to go to the next grade. We get to step up to the next level of spiritual authority. And that's why sometimes people can walk their Christian walk for years and years, but nothing really shifts in the spiritual authority. They don't really break through because God's testing them on things, but they, they keep failing the test. Now, God will still love them. God will still shower His grace upon them, but there are appropriate spiritual tests. God is interested in us looking at the biblical principles and following them and not being led by our emotions. God is raising us up to be principle-led, not to be emotion-led. He's raising us up to be led by the Word of God. Because the strongest uh, encounter you will have with the voice of God is in the Word of God. The Word and Jesus are the same thing. The Word of God is Jesus, and Jesus is the Word. Make no confusion about that. The Word of God is Jesus' voice. And Jesus' voice is the Word of God. So if you want an insight in what to do, are you first going to the Word of God and, and, and asking for revelation out of the Word of God? Or are you just wanting a prophecy? Come on now, we can become prophetic junkies. We love prophecy here. We love the prophetic. But it can become imbalanced and unhealthy. That's a whole other message. Amen. I'm going to ask the uh, instrumentalists to come. So get help. Last slide. Are you in order? Is there good order in your life around these principles? Let's check in with God. Let's, let's kind of think and ponder for a moment and ask of God. Let's inquire of God. God, help me right now. Where do I need to adjust? Where do I need to fine-tune? Where do I need to change? Because God, you love me. And you love me so much that you don't want to leave me the same. You want me to change. You want me to grow. Help me, God. No sense. There's such, there's such a Father's heart here today. The Spirit of God is bringing a message in love to help us and to shape us to be more fruitful. Hearing the voice of the Lord saying this, that God wants some people here to lay some things down. That there's been some relational chaos in some people's lives. And he's saying, today's the day I want you to, let's clean this up. Let's start with where you're at in your heart. So if you need to kind of ask for God's forgiveness if you've been out of alignment, if you've been talking to other people, not talking to the person you're offended with, then just say, 
start honestly, humbly to say, you know, God, I've heard the truth today. It shed the light on God. I'm going to respond to your word today by just repenting and saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm turning around. I'm going to make a change. That doesn't have to be a loud prayer. We don't have to see a public declaration. You just make that heartfelt in your heart today between you and the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and do that if you need to do that. Maybe there's someone specifically that you've been offended with. Maybe God's saying, you know what? I want you to make a choice today to cancel that debt, to no longer want to pursue after revenge or pursue after some type of a validation. Maybe you've been trying to do things in your own strength and you haven't really had a conversation with God about things. I want you to close your eyes in this place as we do business with God. Beautiful Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. I thank you, Lord, for your love for your people that you so love us God that you died for us you made every sacrifice that we could live in victory Father I thank you Lord that there's an anointing here to unlock people out of prisons Lord, as people privately respond to the word of God today in their hearts, I thank you, Lord, that your spirit is ministering to people here. Lord, and there's an unlocking. People are coming out of isolation. They're coming out of hurt. They're coming out of the wilderness of unforgiveness. They're coming out of the slavery of anger. It's been harbored. Jesus, you're a God that sets people free. You're a God that breaks the power of bondage. You're a God that shatters chains. Lord, I declare right now, Holy Spirit, as you're moving through this place, you are breaking chains right now in Jesus' name. You're unlocking hearts. Lord, you're bringing new order and restoration spiritually in a people's private worlds. move God like that song this morning we invite you here come and move come and move God hear the voice of the Lord saying this for I'm coming to you my people today with a tenderness and with a loving concern do not fear for I'm with you I will always be with you I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I don't want you to be isolated in the corners of your heart. I'm hearing God say this. Now give the heaviness to me.
God says, I'm lightening the load. I'm doing a work. Allow me to do a work in your life right now. Allow me. Let my presence, let my word penetrate those places of your heart. I'm bringing healing, says God. I'm bringing restoration. God says, I want new rivers of joy to flow into your life from today. But there's been blockages. There's been damn walls, says God. God says, I want to tear those damn walls down. Let me do it. Allow me to help you. Sweet presence of God in this place. Lord, I honor you for what you're doing, that you're just moving in people's hearts. You're loving on your people, God. Beautiful presence. Hear God say that there's, like sometimes like an ox, it's got a heavy shackle over its shoulders, trying to pull heavy weight from one place to the next. Hear God say that there's been this heavy kind of yoke that's been laying a hold on people's lives. It's been stressful and it's been frustrating. God says, I see that yoke. And God says, I want to make that yoke light again. Let me lift that off your shoulders. Let me lift it off your shoulders right now. Give it to me, says God. Thank you, Lord, that your word says that your peace surpasses all understanding. Lord, minister your peace. Beautiful Jesus. And as we close, I'm just going to encourage you just to stay where you are in that moment with God. But I just want to finish as God's ministering to people here. I want to finish by just bringing an encouraging word to someone here today. And that's you, Chloe. I think I've given you prophetic words a couple of times. But this one's not just about worship. It's got something to do with worship. But I saw on the stage today that God wanted you to know that in life, not just on the platform, but in life, that God's going to bring you into a season where He's bringing the lioness out. And God says that the lioness inside you, with that anointing to worship and that anointing to break the chains, has been growing. But there's, there's a release in that spiritual authority that's coming more and more. But I hear God say this, that there is a powerful lioness anointing that He's brewing on the inside of you. But there's a time now not tomorrow, but now, where God's releasing it. And I hear God say this, that as He releases it, He's not just going to release it to minister, but He's going to release it to reproduce, meaning He's going to release it over people around you. And God says that people are going to watch and they're going to see the transformation of your authority, and it's going to encourage them to step up as well. But I also heard God say this, there's a reason why 
God's going to cause the release of the lioness anointing to be a, a model or an example for others. Because God says, this is because you have season upon season been someone who's put focus more on spiritual character than on gifting. And God says, I'm going to honor that. That even though you're incredibly gifted, that you're a loyal, committed woman of God, and God wants to honor that. So I hear God say, get ready, because he's releasing it now. But I hear God just say, he just wanted to, he just wanted to let you know specifically it's like this is not brand news to you it's like you're kind of sensing it but i feel like god just wanted to confirm it today so let's put our hands towards chloe father i thank you lord for this strong and bold and brave woman of god and i thank you lord that you have established her as an example in this place in this community as someone who puts character before gifting i thank you lord for the characteristics of her lord that she's loyal that she's committed she's hardworking. But Lord, above all, Father, I thank you, Lord, Lord, that you're releasing a new level of anointing, that lioness anointing in her life, Father. Lord, not just to touch people through ministry, but to touch people relationally around her. Lord, Father, set her in that place to be an example of a young woman of God who's being raised up in the house of God. In Jesus' mighty name, we honor you, God. And everyone said, amen. Let's give God some praise. Well, who got something out of that today? Who could feel the presence of God as we were ministering there at the end? Yeah, he's here. He's a great God. Well, there's no better way to celebrate the goodness of God than to hang out with people and eat. Good old fellowship, right? So we're going to open up the cafe now. We've got some hearty soups out there. Don't hold back. Make sure if you're here for the first time, we put on this complimentary lunch mainly for you. Next Sunday, we're doing the last session of Pulse, so we're going to finish off, and then the following Sunday is Mother's Day service, okay? Have a great rest of your Sunday, have a blessed week, and we'll see you here next Sunday. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, AV team.